Good to be with you this evening. Appreciate uh, again the privilege of being here and I want to read from the Bible in Hebrews chapter 1, please. Hebrews chapter 1. And reading from verse number 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners Speak in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. That first statement is a bit unusual for us today. God who at sundry times and diverse manners is really in many parts and in many ways he spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, uh, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Will suffice for our reading from the Bible. It was Samuel Morse, uh, inventor of the Morse uh, code after a field experiment when he led two miles of waterproof wire under New York Harbor to demonstrate his uh, Telegraph and the sending of a message along that wire. It was on the 24th of May, 1844, before assembled dignitaries at the uh, U.S. Capitol in uh, Washington. He sent uh, a message from that capital to the railroad depot in Baltimore. And the first telegraph message consisted of four words from Numbers 23 and verse 23. What has God wrought. If the same thing was happening today, they wouldn't be using a verse of Scripture, but they did then. What has God uh, wrought? And all America and Europe were soon linked by telegraph poles and and wires, and so began uh, modern communication. And I was just looking up uh, across the world, It is thought that on a daily basis, there are something like 23 billion texts that are sent from mobile or smartphones. And that's in the realm of communication. And it is also considered, according to data from 2021, that the number of emails received per day in that year was 319.6 billion. Those are just two ways of communication. So we live in a world that is linked together by communication and messages are sent and so forth. But what I want to speak about this evening, obviously from where I've read, the people in this meeting will have heard this portion read before. I want to remind you that God is not silent. That God has spoken. And that's what we want uh, to think about this evening. God is not silent. 
God has spoken. Of course, there are many people that think God is silent. In fact, think he's inactive and therefore consider that he does not exist at all. And they would say, we haven't heard from God for a very long time in any direct sense. There has been no thunderings from the heavens. There has been no voice heard. Is God even there? One of the things that cause, causes people, or a number, couple of things that causes people consternation. Where is God in the face of evil? When the sin of man is so evident, particularly when it is not only hurting ourselves, but, but hurting others. Where is God in the midst of all of that? He seems to be silent. He seems unconcerned. That's what the world thinks. And then, perhaps even more particularly, and I say this sympathetically, where is God in the midst of suffering? When awful things, dreadful things happen to the innocent, when people become victims through the evil of others, or when the disease hits, say, a young person, where is God in the midst of all of this? You can understand and I can understand people's consternation. How can a loving God, how can a kind God, how can the God you say and you speak about from the Bible allow these things to happen? Well, I'm not here to claim this evening to give a full answer to all of, all of that, even perhaps whether I could or not is another question, but I do know this. God has spoken. And the message and communication that he has given is of such a nature that it stands tonight the same as it ever did. In other words, his message to man has not changed. And we're going to see that that message is centered on and in his son. And at the heart of that is the cross. And I want to remind you tonight that the ultimate answer to evil and sin and to suffering is in the person of Jesus Christ and because of what he did and because of what he experienced and because of what he went through on the cross. You say, how is that? Well, he has dealt with sin. He has given a full, final answer to the issue of sin. There will be a day when it will be eradicated from this world. And when evil will be put down completely. And there will be a day when suffering will end. But for that to happen, God's blessed Son had to hang in shame on a cross and endure uniquely and distinctly the sufferings that he endured as a sin-bearer on that tree to give a full and final answer to God. You say, well, that's okay. You know, I'm just talking the way people talk. That's okay. That'll not change my circumstances. If there's a disease in my body, even if I get saved, it won't take it away. No, it won't. But what the gospel does, and this is a fundamental issue, it gives us assurance. It gives us hope. In the midst of the darkness, 
in the midst of the sadness of this world, a blood-stained and a tear-stained world, it gives us assurance and it gives us hope. And we know that God has the answer and ultimately it will all turn out good and well as he intends. And what then is the assurance that God gives to us? It's the assurance of everlasting life. It's the greatest thing of all. That's why Jesus came, our Lord Jesus came into this world to give to man, to impart to everyone, well, to offer to all people, I should say, first of all, and then to impart, as he, he does, to all who believe in his person. And so the Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting, should have eternal life. That's the assurance. And should things, because we're all going to die, we know that at some point, but the assurance of everlasting life is that I will not only live forever, but I will live with God forever. I will live with God forever. And all that that means in glory and in blessing and in peace and in joy. And so we have assurance and so we have hope. The message of the cross, the blessed Savior whom we are here to preach another time, this is the greatest thing. I thank God for it every day in the midst of the darkness of this world and its chaos and confusion. Jesus Christ gives to men and women. He infuses into our hearts hope. Now, not just hope that things will perhaps get better and work out better, but sure and certain hope. And it's based upon the fact that we believe that Jesus died and rose again and that all that he promised and all that he promises in the gospel, he will make good upon it. And it fills the heart with hope. It's light in the midst of darkness. God is not silent. God has spoken. Now let's just then for a few moments think about this a little further. I want to remind you of the way God has spoken. Now the writer here reflects back on how he spoke in previous times in many different parts and in many different ways. So over different eras of time, he spoke through different prophets to different generations of his people, Israel, because they had the prophets. And this amounts to the Old Testament. Uh, and then he spoke in different ways. He communicated directly by word through some prophets, then to other prophets. He gave visions and other prophets. They acted out parables and things to demonstrate the word of God. And then it all came together in the Old Testament. But that's the way it was communicated. And I hesitate to use the word, but in a, in a fragmentary sense, not that it cannot be made sense of, but different times, different places, but it all came together, a unified message in the Old Testament. But the writer says that in these last days, this era we're now in, the final period of world history, the last days, ushered in with the coming of Christ, and in these last days, God, has spoken unto us in his Son, in his Son, 
the Lord Jesus. Now, as I, I think of this, I just remind you, you know, the first time we read in the Bible of God communicating, God speaking, is in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. And God, if we could put it this way, he breaks the silence of eternity and he speaks into the darkness of creation that he has brought about. And what's God's first statement as we read in the Bible? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. How can that, how can that be? Because God is light. God is light, and he infused a creation with light, which would ultimately be the theater of his, the revelation of himself to the very man that he would create on the sixth day of creation week. But God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. He not only communicated, he commanded, and there was light. You know, there's a, the, the writing in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul refers to that. He says, God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of Jesus in the face of Je the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light's still shining. God's still speaking. Through the gospel, the same God that spoke into that darkness, light is through his word and through his gospel this evening, still speaking light into the darkness of our hearts. If you would only open your mind, if you would only open your heart and let that illumination in and the fullness of that truth to convict you and to bring you to faith in the Lord Jesus. I think of that, but I think also then, God spoke again, and this brings me to the point quickly. After the silence of 400 years, and that's the period between the testaments of our Bible, the Old Testament and New Testament, the two parts of the Bible, there were those 400 years. There was no prophetic voice, it seems. The final prophetic voice coming from a man called Malachi. But from the silence of those 400 years, and those were sad years too, for the history of this people, Israel, for the history of the Jew, in all that transpired. Right down from the coming of the Grecians to the arrival of the Roman power. But God spoke again, and he broke the silence. And this this is a point I want to make as we think of God has spoken unto us by or in his son. How did God speak? Well, there was a prophetic voice that, uh, that came. First of all, God sent his angel Gabriel to communicate. But then there was a voice of John the Baptist. But God spoke again particularly and specifically and definitely and once for all how by sending his son what's the issue in the way then that God has spoken here's the point God has spoken personally to mankind he has spoken personally to mankind how in the person of his beloved son yes he sent an angel to communicate the birth of John the Baptist to Zacharias and then his wife Elizabeth. 
And yes, he sent the angel Gabriel who stands in the presence of God to communicate to a young virgin woman, Mary, that she would bear the Christ child. But the, the birth of the Savior and his coming into this world was God's communication, God's voice, God's personal message in flesh and blood to this world. And that's the good news of the gospel and all that Christ brought and all that he revealed and all that he made known in his person, in, in, his, in his ministry and in his death and resurrection. That's God's message for the world. It has and it, it doesn't change and it won't change. And that's why, my friend, the, the heavens... They were open when Christ was here to speak. As God spoke, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But the heavens have not been opened to speak again. They don't need to be. God has nothing to add to the message that he has given in his Son, the Lord Jesus. And this is his communication to humanity. And that's why then... Uh, for example, the Lord Jesus bears many titles. But one is this, as we read in the Gospel of John, he's called the Word, the Eternal Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's not referring to a concept, it is referring to a person. And we discover that that person is the Son of God. And why is he called the Word? That's the word word in itself is not hard to understand or even to get the concept. You use words to what? Communicate. To communicate. You see, Christ is the revelation of Godhead, of the Father. He always has been and he always will be. He is the full communication and revelation of God. Now, in this world tonight, there are many religions and so forth and so on, and they're all claiming to know the way to God, to tell us what God is like. Let me tell you, the Bible tells us there's only one way to God. There's only one revelation of God, distinct and specific, and it's in his Son, and God has spoken. This is the way God has spoken. He's, he's spoken personally, or he's spoken in person in the person of his son. Notice, we not only think of the way he has spoken, but to whom he has spoken. And just notice this quickly. Hath in these last days, this period we're now in, this final period of world history will find its conclusion and climax with the second coming of Jesus Christ and the establishment of his kingdom. But he's spoken unto us. He's spoken unto us. Now, the writer here, he's writing, this is, as I announced, I'm reading from Hebrews, as these people are Jewish in background, and very particularly and first and foremost, Christ came to the Jew. It was of that nation that he was given to the world. He came through the Jews, himself a Jew. Amazing. But it's not limited to the Jewish nation. He's spoken unto us. He's spoken unto you and me. He's spoken to the world 
in his Son. This is God's universal, unchanging message. And my friends, this evening, let me say to you with all earnestness and seriousness, God is speaking to you tonight in his Son. He's speaking to you through his beloved Son. He is saying, this is the one I've sent to show you what I am like, to show you who I am, to tell you that he's the Savior and to bring you to myself. That is what it is all about. And then we not only think of to whom he has spoken us, but then through whom he has spoken. And we're reminded of the glory of the Son of God. And we're reminded of the greatness of his work. And I will come to that <clears throat> as I will be drawing my remarks to a conclusion very shortly. Now notice this, as we think of the whom, through whom he has spoken, to identify then something about the Son, his glory and his greatness. The writer says, whom he hath appointed the heir of all things, by whom also he made or framed the ages. I'd love to talk about that. But I just want you to note this. Everything, everything, this universe and every part of it belongs to Jesus Christ. It's for his glory. It's for his honor. The kingdom is his. Everything the Father has given to the Son. So the globalists and the environmentalists, they are going to be greatly disappointed in the end this is not our world. It doesn't belong to man. It belongs to God. It belongs to Jesus Christ. He's heir of everything. Now, why would I say that? Well, my friend, that's a good reason why you should repent before him as a sinner and put your trust in him and get on the side of Christ. Now, you see, tonight the world would look at the like of me and, and Christians and, and one of the word, uh, phrases you hear more and more is uh, on certain issues being the wrong side of history. That's what men think. You don't want to, you know, politicians are concerned about not being the wrong side of history. Let me tell you, the whole world is on the wrong side of history when it comes to God and Jesus Christ. We need to get on to the right side. So it speaks about the glory of his person, but notice this, the greatness of his work. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What an amazing truth. What an amazing thing. And I suppose, in a sense, it comes to, to this point, why God has spoken. And, and why he spoke through his son and sent his son into this world is to deal with sin. And this points us to the cross, when he had made purification for our sins. Well, I will take time to say, and what the Bible makes abundantly clear to us, my friends, there's only one possible Savior, and his name is Jesus. Because there is nobody else, nobody, 
It's just an impossibility because God has only one son and that son alone could answer for human sin and guilt upon a cross in his holy humanity to satisfy eternal God forever. Only the Lord Jesus could do that. And that's why the emphasis here, it's by himself. It was in his glorious person he had the ability. He had the power. He had all that it took to hang upon a cross of shame outside Jerusalem and bear the sin of the world in, in his body and, and experience what he experienced in his heart, in his mind, in his soul, and in his person. And to finish that great work of dealing with human sin and guilt and be raised from the dead and take a seat at the right hand of the majesty and high. This is a glorious Savior. This is an almighty Savior. And I want to tell you tonight, with all seriousness, without him, you die without him, you'll be in hell. You die without him, there'll be eternal judgment. God calls men and women tonight to put their faith in Jesus Christ for the assurance and for the hope that the gospel gives to us. Shall we close in prayer? Our Father, we are so grateful uh, just for these brief moments to have been occupied with Holy Scripture that speaks to us and tells us again of thy beloved Son and the greatness of his person and that he is thy voice, thy message to humankind and in him is salvation and forgiveness alone. We thank thee for thy purpose in relation to him and that one day he will bear the glory in a kingdom over which he will reign and all the world under his feet and his enemies put down. And so, Father, we pray that any unsaved in this meeting will be wise tonight to come to know the Savior and to kiss the Son and to bow before him with faith and in appreciation of his glorious person as we ask thy blessing and commit us to thee in the Lord Jesus' name. Amen.